That is tenor Michael Fabiano performing Verdi's La Donna e Mobile from Rigoletto with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Michigan Opera Theater's 2019-2020 season opens October 12th with a gala concert featuring the renowned tenor. An evening with Michael Fabiano is going to include a performance from the American Ballet Theater and the MOT Orchestra. Fabiano is currently starring in Manon at the Metropolitan Opera. He's also a University of Michigan graduate and a student of renowned tenor George Shirley, who will be honored at the gala. Shirley was the first African-American tenor to sing a leading role at the Metropolitan Opera. And if you know anything about local music here, the local music history here in Detroit, you know that George Shirley is someone who is unrivaled uh, in his importance to it. Uh, I want to welcome Michael Fabiano and George Shirley to Detroit today. Great to have you guys in the studio. Wonderful to be here. Great mm-hmm. to be with you. Uh, so, Michael, I want to start with uh, what the piece we just heard you singing, uh, La Donna Immobile. Uh, you say that you are now finished with that piece. Well, I'm not finished with the piece. I probably will sing that aria in concert or in studios or whatever in, in the future. But I'm finished with the opera, mm-hmm. Rigoletto, because it's an opera that um, I think serves tenors with voices that are just just a little higher and a little more leggero, lighter than mine. And there are a number, there's a precedent. There are a number of tenors like Placido Domingo and Jose Carreras who really put the opera away in the middle of their 30s. And um, there are voices like Luciano Pavarotti, for instance, who had a more, a more brilliant sound, hmm. more solare instrument. There was more sun, I would say, in the voice. And so they were able to effectively sing it into their 50s. And I think that there are certain roles that I think individuals in our business have to be willing to say goodbye to when they know that they're not the best and that mm-hmm. there are others that can do better. Yeah. This is one of them. Yeah, that's that's kind of sad, though, that you're... No, it's not sad for me at all. <laughs> not at all. Walking but, away but, from such a familiar tune. I have, I'm so, I have the great pleasure of being able to sing uh, wonderful other titles like Don Carlo, Tales of Hoffman, Coming Up Berter, Things that really serve my instrument yeah. and my and my public, and I don't need to sing Rigoletto anymore. <laughs> uh, tell us how you came to decide that uh, opera was the way you wanted to spend your life. Well, when I went to the University of Michigan, I was not sure about my intentions. I was studying economics. I was studying Spanish as well, and I was studying music. And really, in the first few weeks of studying with Professor Shirley here. Uh, Professor Shirley is a very strong man in his opinions and <laughs> and views on the world and more specifically on the views of music. And he kind of instilled in me this moral imperative about when one has a talent, one has a burden and a responsibility to share their talent. And I really, I don't, I really remember that from the first few lessons we had. And that had an impact on me in a really profound sense. And so I've lived by that credo that if you have a talent to share, you share it. I always say that art lives in perpetuity. People enjoy art forever. And if I have the ability to 
give people years and years of good art. I have the burden to share it. I have the moral responsibility to share it, and that's because of George. Wow. Uh, George Shirley, talk about uh, the, the, the role that you play in, in lives like Michael Fabiano's. That's an, an incredible tribute to your influence. I've come to believe that we're here to serve, given whatever we're given at conception with which to do, to do that service. And um, I started off as a high school music teacher here in Detroit at Miller High School mm -hmm. until the Army interrupted that. And during the military, I was pointed toward a career that I had never considered. Professional singer? Come on, I sang, <laughs> I sang in high school, I sang in church, I mm -hmm. sang at the university, and did taste my first operatic experience at Wayne when I, the glee club director, Dr. Harry Langsford, wanted to do Oedipus Rex, and he asked me to look at the score, look at the role of Oedipus, and I said, yeah. And it was wonderful. We did three performances at the Jesse Bonstell. And I loved the experience, but it didn't speak to me as a way of life. I was focused on becoming a music teacher. Hmm. I was inspired by the high school teacher I had at Northern High. And that was going to be my path. But uh, God had other plans for me. And I think that being moved into this career, and I say that because, again, I didn't plan it, moved into it through various circumstances and influences of people that I had met, that I believe my career as a performer was all about my learning more about what being a professional singer, in particular an opera singer, was all about, so I could share it with people like Michael. Hmm. Uh, talk about what it was like when you were coming up here in Detroit for a black man like yourself to say, well, uh, I'm going to be an opera singer. It's, it was very different than it is today. <laughs> it was, but because I was able to do what I was able to do, uh, I, I focused that on the musical education that I received in Detroit uh, during the 1940s and 50s. Detroit had one of the most important and successful programs of music education in the country, mm -hmm. in the country. And I became musically literate through the programs of music education here from the first grade on. So I was prepared. I mean, at Northern High School, we did Messiah every year, and I started singing the tenor solos in Messiah when I was in the 11th grade, the Verdi Requiem, the first chorus of the Verdi Requiem on one of our spring. So I, I was ready to do what I eventually did without knowing what that was going to be <laughs> because I was prepared for it. Yeah. Uh, so the whole thing of, about opera, uh, when I was in the Army, one of my friends in the Army course kept urging me to go and take some lessons with a man he was studying with privately in Washington. Mm -hmm. Most of the members of the course studied privately. And so I finally did it a couple of months before I was due to get out. And this old fellow who had a career in Germany and the United States early last century and looked at me and said, study with me one year and I guarantee you have a career. Nobody had ever said that to me before. And he had to know that there weren't that many black tenors out there singing <laughs> operatically. And he didn't look like he needed the money. So I thought, okay, I'll give it two years. I don't want to wind up going back to Detroit, resuming my teaching career and kicking myself 10 years down the road for not finding out if this old fella knew something. Yeah. So I decided to take a chance, and the chance turned into something that 
you, if you told me that I was going to be an opera singer when I was a student, when I have to say you're out of your mind. <laughs> right, that's never going to happen. That's right, never going to happen because it's not something I'm looking for. Mm. But again, I've, I've become a determinist in my old age. Mm. I believe that things are written, mm. good, bad, and different. Yeah, uh, Michael, tell us uh, what uh, people should expect if they come out to the MOT Gala on October 12th. Great music making from a number of people. Uh, Mr. Dixon is going to be singing with us, who is a student of George Shirley's. Um, uh, Leah Crocetto, who is from Adrian, Michigan, who is a dear friend of mine and who I've sung Louisa Miller with at the San Francisco Opera. She'll be singing on this concert. We'll be doing a number of duets, including something from André Chenier. For the first time, I'm singing André Chenier. Mm. I'll be doing that role for the first time in a couple of years. So I'm going to start doing the duet here and there. I saw George Shirley giving me. A, a <laughs> He's a giving you up. the fist pump of encouragement yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> is, I got. I got to start shifting. I'm getting. I'm getting older now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about the, the the pieces that you just love to sing. The 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 ones that are not just okay. I I should do this. I'm right. playing this role, but the ones that just make your your heart sore. Well, I'll tell you. I, I I'm a I'm a big. Donizetti and Verdi fan, and that's the album that I recorded recently. But I like the Primi Verdi, the early Verdi operas in particular, Ernani, Nabucco, mm-hmm. uh, Due Foscari, uh, Stifelio, things like that. Those pieces speak to me because they hearken an era of bel- the bel canto tradition with, with Verdi's touch, which makes it accessible for a voice like mine, which is a voice that is more than lyric, but not quite dramatic, so mm-hmm. I can handle it, but I can still feel like I'm singing bel canto and something where I can be light and facile with my voice and then be dramatic at the same time. And uh, the, the, the Primi Verdi, the early Verdi, they really last and really well into Louisa Miller right before he wrote Stifelio, which was the beginning of his middle era. And then we saw Regolato Travatore Traviato that came and then the big Verdi shift. Sure. So the early Verdi operas for me are some of the ones that I love, and then I love Tchaikovsky. I've discovered a lot of uh, stranger Tchaikovsky operas that no one listens to recently, huh. The Enchantress, Mazeppa, which are very interesting to me, Yolanta. You know, there's a lot of Tchaikovsky works that I think should be done and don't get done enough. Um, and Tchaikovsky is a composer that I think a lot of people can connect to in a sonoric way. Sure. The music is really wonderful. Yes. Whoever it is, it doesn't. You don't need to be an opera fan to love what you hear when you listen to it. So for me, that that's the yeah. kind of music. I love. And and you were just talking about how uh, you're beginning to to sing arias and pieces that you will do later in in operas. Right. Is that the way that works? That you sort of pick them up uh, along the way and then are ready to to do the whole thing. Yeah. For instance, I I've started singing Vestila Juba in Pagliacci. I'm not going to sing Pagliacci for the next five years, but I think it's important to start showing people the direction that I'm going before I actually set on the course mm-hmm. so I can get my feet wet in it. So that's why I'm going to sing Shen Ye, for instance, in duet in a number of concerts over the next few years before I actually do the opera. Yeah. So I start to understand it, get to put it in my throat, know what the, what the pitfalls of it are, where I need to really work it more over time, when the orchestra is really loud, where I need to really, really be technical about it versus, uh, versus emotional. Um, so Chenier is one, Pagliacci is another one, Hoffman is something, which is a tricky opera that I have to, I've been putting in and I'm doing for the first time in Paris this year. Wow. 
Um, so things like that. Yeah. Uh, George Shirley, you're going to be honored at the gala on October 12th. Tell me how that is going to feel. Well, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. And anytime someone feels that I'm what I've done is worthy of being honored, I have to make plain that the honor belongs to everyone that had anything to do with my discovering and uncovering and making use of what I was given at conception. Mm. My teachers, my colleagues with whom I've st- from whom I've stolen a lot of stuff on stage and that, that I've learned to use. I have too. <laughs> Don't we all? But it's not me. It's a collective that will be honored on the 12th of October. Yeah. And let me say one other thing about, uh-huh. about my, what Michael has said is important for young singers to understand. The phrase, know thyself. Yes extremely important. It's so important to discover at some point along your road what kind of singer you are, what your voice is capable of doing, and knowing that when you get to a certain point, it may not function that way. It may not be the same. But there's something else that you can do. So to know from the very beginning, I mean, at the beginning of my career, I was offered by Giancarlo Menotti after I sang at at, uh, Spoleto, I was offered Otello, mm. and I thought, uh, no, <laughs> uh, this is not who I am. This is not my voice. He said, but you would look beautiful. Well, it ain't about looking. <laughs> it's about it's how about you sound. sound right. Yeah. So knowing what you are capable of doing at a time that you are capable of doing it is extremely important. Yeah. Okay, October 12th, the MOT Gala uh, will feature Michael Fabiano and honor George Shirley, I want to thank you both for being here. Uh, Michael Fabiano, we're going to go out on another piece of music that you are singing. Tell us what it is. Uh, you're going to hear an aria called Qual Sangue Sparsi from the original version of La Forza del Destino. It was written in 1862. It was written for the St. Petersburg Opera. It's a different version of the opera. Verdi had a different symf- symphony in the beginning. It's a great piece. I don't know why tenors don't sing it. It's an incredible aria. <laughs> okay, Michael Fabiano and George Shirley, thanks for being here. Thank you. That's going to do it for us this week. I will be back on Monday, and I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday. Mi stringe per amare.